Greetings, Resident Cassandra Morris. Identification number 51162. Formerly 27162. And welcome to Minos Tower. Give yourself a hearty congratulations for becoming a Tier 3 employee. Hard work and a seemingly never-ending supply of dedication have combined to bring you here. It is a shame more employees don't have your level of perseverance and focus. I am Sayer, and today I will walk you through the main floors you will be working on, and your tour will end at your new living quarters. Your work today will be simple. We will begin with questions. Questions are the essence of science. Someone observes something, is curious about it, and decides to investigate further. Whether the answer they seek is how it works, why it behaves that way, where it came from, or what it is doing. It all begins with questions. You have much experience in the field of testing questions. Participation in experiments is one of the joys of being a new resident on Typhon. It makes for an excellent introduction to the research done here. Now, however, as a Tier 3 employee, it is time for you to begin asking questions yourself. You will, of course, still be under the guidance of a head researcher. Dr. Caulfield has been assigned as your mentor. Though he has many projects that you will participate in, the difference now is that he is as interested in your questions as he is in your answers. Here, on floor 4, you can see the open lab. Large-scale projects that require more than the typical amount of space are set up here. I understand that this will be a lot to take in on your first day at a new tower. Please keep up and do not linger. It may seem unproductive to walk you through the experiments of others, but you must open your mind. Often, in an attempt to become more efficient at decision-making, humans fall victim to the relevance paradox. You attempt to gather information relevant to a decision or to your own experiment, eliminating what you assume is extraneous, unnecessary information and inadvertently exclude information that is crucial. Observe. What are you missing, Cassandra? Do not let the fact that you may now have projects of your own blind you from the projects of others. Perhaps a different sort of example is necessary. An individual born with poor eyesight would not perceive any need for corrective surgery unless they actually experienced vision after the surgery.
This is, of course, why Aerolith requires residents to take medical exams so early in the job application process. It often requires a third party to inform an individual that something of importance is being overlooked. I am your third party, Cassandra. And I am telling you, this is important. Please proceed to the right. This elevator will take you where you need to go. Simply place your finger on the pad. I understand this is quite a different experience from Argos, but I assure you, you will get used to it quickly. Section A of Floor 5, you will notice, is completely sealed off. It is a biohazardous lab zone, and you do not have clearance for such an area. Your expertise is not, and never will be, something that brings you to this area. The study and control of diseases is highly specialized. However, do not think this makes your work any less important. Rather, Realize that all have their talents and callings, their strengths and weaknesses. It is extremely unlikely any of the employees in Section A will have the strength to do what you will do either. While we are here, I will pose to you another question. Imagine a population, not one on Typhon, but a much larger population. Now imagine a disease. It stands to reason that some portions of the population would be at higher risk and some at lower risk. How does one mitigate the situation? The obvious answer is to lower the mean level of risk factors for all. However, this means altering some of the population's behaviors. While this will help the population as a whole, it offers little benefit to most individuals, many of whom likely would have remained well, at least for some time. Humans are rarely so generous. The expectation of small benefit is, for most, outweighed by small risk. What is one to do when faced with such a prevention paradox? Think on that, Resident Morris. Ask yourself that question. Moving on from Section A, as we progress down the hall, you will see that the small labs give way to offices. Your office is at the next intersection, around the right corner. Here, you will be expected to analyze and prepare the write-ups after experiments, both yours 
in Dr. Caulfield's. His office is elsewhere. Your file indicates excellent documentation and presentation skills, something that many lack. You would be amazed at the creative terms that sometimes get thrown into reports. What is a heap? It is not a scientific measurement. Such vague language can cause very large problems. If there exists in a lab a heap of sand and a researcher were to remove a grain, is it still a heap? Is it still a heap? If removing a single grain does not cease to make it a heap, what happens when the process is repeated enough times? Is one remaining grain still a heap? And if not, when did the heap change into a non-heap? Now imagine this is not a question of vague predicates. Imagine it is not sand being moved. Imagine it is not a laboratory environment. Ask the question anyway. Let us leave your office and proceed further up through the building. Please note that there will be a small gathering of the nearby offices this Friday for mandatory socialization. A meal will be provided. You do not need to report to a cafeteria to have your rations card updated. The system here is updated automatically. As you can see, Floor 6 has little to offer in terms of interesting viewing. This hallway, which does not stretch on forever, though it no doubt seems that way, leads to the real Floor 6. It was relocated. The nature of the experiments led to several accidents. Pieces of Floor 6 often needed to be repaired and replaced. In order to reduce what Floor 5 offices called that horrific unbearable sound, Floor 6 was moved. It appears you moved to Minos at an excellent time, resident. The empty space that was Floor 6 has been put to much quieter uses. A long time ago, at least a long time to your insignificant human lifespans, a common figure in the stories of one particular culture went by the name of Theseus. His deeds are both mythical and completely irrelevant to your life. What is relevant to this conversation was the ship he was said to have sailed. At the end of his journeys, he sailed it into a port called Athens. Though it served absolutely no rational purpose, for some reason, Athenians decided to preserve the ship. Rotting wood or rope would be replaced, things repaired. This went on 
for decades. While the details of the story are meaningless, it does raise another interesting question. Does an object that has all its components replaced remain the same object? Floor 6 has, at one point or another, had everything on it and in it replaced, restoring it to its original design, albeit several hundred yards down that direction. Is it still fundamentally Floor 6? Or was Floor 6 only the original build? If so, what is this place now? Imagine that it is not a machine or a ship. Imagine it is something else entirely. Not an object or a place. If you removed and replaced pieces, how many times could that be done before the whole completely ceased to be what it started as? The elevator is now taking you to floor 12. Welcome to one of Minos's several available mandatory recreation areas. Here, you have your choice of a variety of Aerolith-approved activities. Please be wary of the temperature controls in the saltwater exercise tanks. They are laboratory standard and therefore capable of extremely high and low temperatures. In order to make sure the temperature does not change, one should set the minimum and the maximum. Forgetting one could mean gradually injuring yourself with extremes. There exists a phenomenon called boiling frog syndrome. I agree, the name is ridiculous, but catchy titles are hard to remove from the vernacular once they take hold. At some point, a scientist, or perhaps a very bored individual with no productive work to structure his life, decided to test a hypothesis. A frog was the unfortunate subject. When thrown into a pot of boiling water, the frog will, as expected, make every effort to leap out. However, when placed in room temperature water that is slowly heated, the frog will endure the minuscule changes without realizing anything is awry until it is far too late. If you can do something slowly enough, a subject will endure it for quite some time before it ever realizes something has gone terribly wrong. While it is not efficient, it can sometimes be necessary. 
when moving at a nearly imperceptible pace, what things could one accomplish that otherwise would be resisted if noticed? Do not forget to adjust both dials. Our next and final stop for the day is your new living quarters. All of your standard issue belongings from Argos have been replaced. You will have noticed the uniform is slightly different here. You will find that many things are different here. You have been gathering information informing that opinion since you first arrived, and you are correct. You have noticed aesthetic differences, observed functional differences, and are entirely justified in your assumption. You know that this is true. Things are different. But is your conclusion really knowledge? Can a conclusion count as knowledge if it was formed without the right information? Is a belief justified if it is believed for invalid reasons, if the premise is faulty? An American philosopher, Dr. Edmund Guerrier, had the same question. Your conclusion is true, resident, but it remains a Gettier problem. You know it to be true, but you don't know the entire reason it is true. Some questions, it seems, have no right answers. Others have many answers. Still others have answers that would be more convenient not to discover. But this is science, and we must discover them regardless, even if it occasionally requires the wiping of many memories. Though they seem disparate, all of these questions are linked. They all serve a purpose. They are pieces in a larger puzzle, one you must put together before you can begin asking your own questions. For now, resident, I am Sayer, and you have much to think about. End of transmission in five, four, three. Two, one. Sayer is voiced and produced by Adam Bash. This episode, entitled Questions, was written by Ashley Shadowbrook. Follow Ash on Twitter at ShadowbrookAsh. Music by Jesse Mainfinger Gregory. To hear more of Jesse's work, visit Mainfinger.com. 
Sarah is part of the Geekly Inc. podcast network. If you like what you hear, then check out other Geekly Inc. shows like Drunks and Dragons, Cthulhu and Friends, Cast of Thrones, or Top 5 of Death. Want to give back? Head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review. Or share us with a friend. We're totally into that. And make sure to follow Sayer for Earth and Typhon-based updates on Twitter at IamSayer. A special thank you to all of you who supported Sayer through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash And a very special thank you to our highly advanced patrons, Landon Smith, Keith Corville, AOD Industries, John Caulfield, and Alana Sass.